Hi, it's Jamie Flinchball here with another episode of People Solve Problems podcast. I am the host and the author of the book by the same name. And today we have with us my good friend, Mark Raven. How are you doing, Mark? Hi, Jamie. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. So Mark is an author, a speaker, consultant. Uh, he's the, the host of uh, My Favorite Mistake podcast. Um, and author of a, of a new book out now um, called The Mistakes That Make Us, which is yeah. based on all the many conversations he's had through, through that particular podcast. Um, besides that, you know, he's a good friend. Uh, we, we share a, another podcast together called Lean Whiskey and uh, always look forward to, to chatting with him. So, so Mark, uh, first, you know, this is a new book. You've had several books out. Um, and and uh, so I'm really excited. I have not read this yet, but I'm, I, I've we've talked about it several times in the buildup. So so tell us about uh, the mistakes that make us. What's mm -hmm. what's it all about? Why'd you write it? Yeah. Well, thanks, Jamie. Um, it's you know it's, it, it evolved to the point where I would say it's inspired by the podcast series. My favorite mistake. Uh, many of the stories from you know the different podcast guests, our mutual friend David Meyer, for example, former uh, Toyota person who started a, a distillery in, in Kentucky. There's great stories uh, from him about this theme of learning from mistakes. You know, not just as individuals, but the book evolved really to to be I, I would call it a management book. It's about organizational culture. How do we create a culture? How do we cultivate? A culture. That's that's the word, the subtitle, my mistake. That evolved too. How right. do we cultivate workplaces? How do we cultivate a culture of learning and innovation, right? So David's story and other stories from uh, other parts of Toyota, other decades, uh, companies like Kinexus that I've been involved in, um, other companies that have this culture that instead of um, reacting to mistakes in a punitive, blaming way, reacts in ways that really make learning possible, right? So that allows us, we that's a form of problem solving. When there's a mistake, we can learn from it. We can prevent that mistake from coming back. That's one great benefit. But then when we have this culture um, that recognizes, especially when we're doing new things, whether that's process improvement or attempts at innovation, there are going to be mistakes. And if you demand perfection, if you demand every experiment to work out as you predicted, that's not really an experiment. That's that's not how you get innovation, right? So we don't want people to be terrified of admitting we made a mistake or we we tried something and the assumption turned out not to be true. You know, th those are things that I think the book has good guidance for leaders, um, you know, individually and with their teams and with their companies of how to really make sure that's in place to, to create it or I should say to cultivate it, you know, the strengthen and nurture something that, that might already be growing um, in your company. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I think uh, a lot of us look forward to reading that, um, you know, really, really interesting take, especially around learning new things and, mm -hmm. and what, how we experience learning in that, in that vein. So, so some, you know, some people might say that whether it's whether it's good lean practices or it's good problem solving practices, that you know fewer mistakes will happen, and right. so therefore mistakes are maybe an indicator of the lack of lack of good process, lack of good work design, lack of good problem solving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's what's the counter to that? 
what would you what would you say to that? There's, um, I mean, there's different sides to this, right? So in in the book, you know, I certainly take, I think it's a very pragmatic, realistic view of, you know, none of us are perfect as individuals or teams or companies. We all make mistakes. Now, I'm not saying we should just shrug our shoulders and say, well, it's human error. What can we do about it? We can do things about it. You know, one is on the culture side, make it safe for people to admit a mistake and then react in a constructive way. But then at the same time, we should be working to um, mistake-proof our processes in our systems, right? So I'm not saying, um, well, all mistakes should be shrugged off as learning opportunities. Well, there are certain mistakes that could be fatal, whether that's in a factory or in healthcare. Um, I'm not being um, you know, um, flippant about mistakes, but there, there's the two sides or there's many sides to the coin here. I'm making a mistake in my analogy. We should try to prevent mistakes, but then at the same time realize we're probably unlikely to have perfect error proofing or mistake proofing. So then when mistakes happen, we should react constructively to try to then improve the mistake proofing. Instead of saying that person screwed up, we, we might frame it as we've found a problem with our mistake proofing attempt. There was something we didn't anticipate, or in some cases it was too easy to circumvent the mistake proofing, which I would argue that's that's still a system problem. And people, some people I know would argue with me about that. Um, we realize you know, we, we all make mistakes. That's why we need to error proof. Then when mistakes still happen, people need to feel safe to point it out, to admit it, knowing they're going to get a constructive response so that we can then you know, kind of cycle it back. Um, you know, the problem solving cycle in this case would include, you know, um, improving our systems so that mistake is either now, hopefully, you know, uh, Im impossible to recreate or because we've learned something much more difficult um, to, to, to repeat. So um, th there's an another lesson from, from the book comes from a lot of the stories uh, from my guests and from some of my own experience. Learning from small mistakes prevents big catastrophes. Not always, but I'd rather learn from small process problems that that didn't hurt somebody. Because then, if we ignore it and we're dismissive and say like, "Well, nobody got hurt," there's no problem to solve. Right. You know, we know in a lean environment, people would take near misses and risk factors seriously, and you know, th those are opportunities to learn so that we can prevent something worse from happening. Yep. So let me go back to that that point you made around the culture of being just being able to admit a mistake right mm -hmm. so acknowledging that that mistake is there, there there's sort of an impact on that so if we do admit that mistake um what happens next there's uh there's an impact on the person and there's an impact on the problem right or an impact on the mistake right um because of that admission and the response to it so so talk to me about both sides of that. What mm -hmm. about what's what's the concern around the the impact on the person and what's the concern around the impact on the mistake? Yeah. So there's um, maybe two ways of looking at it. one is on the people side and the process side and it's interconnected. But there's, uh, you know, the, the emotional reaction to making a mistake um, when it's a mistake. You know, I've heard people use this phrase that's that's redundant. You know, say, well, it was an unintended mistake. Like, well, by definition, right. it was unintended. If it was intended, like there's that that that's probably more like sabotage, right? right. You know, in 
assault or, you know, some word like that, right? But, you know, unintentional mistake, somebody is going to feel bad already, right? So this is where, you know, piling on and yelling or punishing, I'm not convinced that does anything but guarantee that more errors are going to happen because now people are going to feel less psychologically safe to admit a mistake or to point out somebody else's mistake. Um, you know, it, it, there's a, another component and some of this is through experience I lived through at Kinexus reacting to a systemic mistake where some companies might've blamed some other person for quote unquote their mistake. Um, you know, uh, there, there, there was a reminder and, and, and there's some good guidance that comes from Karen Ross, who's been a guest on my podcast. And, you know, she has a book, um, The Kind Leader. You know, she really helped me put my head around um, the difference between nice and kind. Yes. Where nice might, and I see some organizations do this in healthcare, like it's better in, in some way, maybe better than punitive. Instead of being punitive, they're, they're being nice. So, well, Jamie, I know you didn't mean to do that. And it's not your fault and it's a systemic problem. And I hope you're okay. And we'll get you some counseling services. Like, okay, maybe the counseling services part is getting closer to kind because, you know, kind is really more a matter of constructive and helpful, right? Where nice might just be focused on making the person feel better or even to the point of where I'm going to look the other way because, you know, Jamie, you made a mistake, but it didn't hurt anybody. And I don't want you to feel bad. Mm -hmm. That kind of nice, I think, is counterproductive right. in different ways than punitive can be counterproductive. So I think, you know, a kind approach can be challenging without being disrespectful. I think a kind approach, I think the kindest thing is collaborating with people to make sure the mistake doesn't happen again, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want an environment like I think some organizations have focused on psychological safety without also focusing on problem solving, mm -hmm. right? So we don't want people repeatedly making and reporting the same mistake and getting a nice response over and over again. Um, you know, the, 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 the kind uh, uh, approach helps people with the problem solving. Oh, great. Now that you've spoken up, we're going to work together to do something about it. And I think that's, you know, ultimately the best response to a mistake. You've got to let someone um, have their moment of feeling bad, but I think the way you let them get past that is then moving forward and, and being constructive with the problem solving. I think you shouldn't be dismissive and tell someone, hey, don't don't be upset. Like that's just, that never works, right? No, uh, that's that's human nature, right? And yeah. so, it, you know, it's like deny your human nature. It's it's mm -hmm. um, don't you don't let your your being upset affect your judgment of what happens next. I think that's a probably better way to say it, but don't be upset. It's, it's not really fair. Um, yeah. No. And, and I was just going to have one other thing. Like, I mean, our, our training and our background and the logical part of our brain might be wanting to jump into root cause analysis and jump into the problem solving right away. Cause it's better to do that when the situation is fresh. Sure. That said, giving someone a little bit of space instead of, you know, before asking, how could that have occurred? We might ask, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then maybe tomorrow is the right time to do the root cause analysis if it's not an ongoing life or death situation. Right. No, and, and nobody wants to dwell. So this is actually, you know, relates to the question I was about to ask, which is the transition from providing psychological safety 
Mm -hmm. uh, not not that we move away from psychological safety, but into problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, part of it just a couple weekends ago, I I, I was out with a. Uh, uh, I had one car out. I, I was I was having coffee with someone. I had to get out of the parking garage, swipe my credit card, threw my wallet on the, the passenger seat. Uh, got home, had to take another car out to get put gas in it. Got halfway there, realized the, the wallet was still in the passenger seat oh. of the car. So I came home, opened the garage door, closed it, left, and and you know, later I asked. Asked my wife, did you did you did you hear me open the garage door? Like, because you didn't say anything. I thought you would have been like, what'd you forget? <laughs> um, but it was it was sort of like, you know, even we don't want to admit that, you know, yeah, I, I totally screwed up. And it was a small, not mm -hmm. very costly error, mm -hmm. right? But it is it is part of that that transition that we go from, okay, what happened? Can we say it out loud? Then we then do we go to you know, go into problem solving. So, mm -hmm. so is it in terms of the transition, you mentioned timing. So mm -hmm. that's a factor. What, what about, you know, method or different roles or what are other mechanisms or means to besides just delay? That's, that's one, that's one method you yeah. already introduced. Yeah. What are other methods to make that transition from yeah. psychological safety around the mistake into problem solving? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I think it's good to give reassurance and remind somebody that look, this isn't simply your fault. You're not being punished. We want you to participate in the problem solving. Um, but th that's where you have to make sure then you're 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 going from um, you know the comforting response to the constructive action mm -hmm. when that person feels um, when that person feels ready. Um, and I and I think involving. And you know, you have to be careful about the language. You know, you might be quick to say, "quote the person who made the mistake." Like that's just that's usually not the right precise way to say it. You might say the person who was involved in that mistake. You know, they were there at the point of occurrence, but it wasn't their fault. So I think you know we we do have to be a little bit careful about the language. I mean, we can acknowledge the impact of a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. We can take a minute and state facts of this really impacted a customer. This had, you know, I mean, we, 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 we don't need to downplay the impact, but I think we can do so in a way that's motivating the problem solving of why this is important to work on and, and not be in that mode of, uh, I think a lot of organizations make a mistake of punishing the mistakes with the bad outcome Right, and it shouldn't be totally based on the outcome. Like I'll bring it back to um, healthcare again. This is an example. Greg Jacobson from Kinexus, you know, the CEO there, who's an ER doctor, um, shared an example of you know the a process problem that could lead to a patient being given the wrong dose of ibuprofen, like the difference between forty milligrams and twenty milligrams. Mm -hmm. like that's probably. Speaking as an engineer here, my recollection would be that's probably not going to kill anybody. Right. But I think the best problem-solving organizations and those with the highest levels of psychological safety would allow somebody to self-report, hey, we caught it. We almost gave the wrong dose of ibuprofen to the patient. Let's problem-solve that. Mm -hmm. Where did the process break down? Not because there was a bad result, but recognizing whatever 
led to that problem that was thankfully caught that time. We can't guarantee it's always going to get caught in the future. That same failure mode, if you will, could then next time lead to a mix-up in medications that could be harmful or deadly. You know, yeah. so we've got to take advantage of those opportunities um, to 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 learn and improve. Maybe did, did I get too sidetracked from your question? No, no. I, I but but I think it 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 takes me to the the next step around making that transition. Um, I've always been curious about sort of the the you know, using rules and and processes to sort of make it easier to to go do what you should do because then you don't have to make a decision um and and if you're if you're making a decision about well should we problem solve this the 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 easiest rule is well did it have a big impact which to your point probably not the best rule to be using for should we do problem solving is just oh well it had a big impact so therefore we should do problem solving but i, I think you can modify that criteria to uh, did it or could it yes that's could a big difference, right? Could yeah. this potentially have a big impact? Well, I'll think back to an example, and I blogged about this the other day. Not a life or death mistake. It was at Starbucks, right? I mean, it took them three tries to make my drink properly. And it almost it almost came down to a fourth attempt, other than I was watching that third time and the manager trainer was was watching. But um the cost to Starbucks was, you know, dumping two beverages at a retail price of five dollars whatever the margin is that's their loss and the time or whatever delay it was causing for other customers is that worth problem solving like that's a judgment call mm -hmm. and and the barista very pleasantly said i mean like you know she apologized which is good but you know not enough like starbucks should be learning you know from that mistake in that store and there's this question of like you know she said oh it's my second day and i thought are they skimping are they making a mistake are they skimping on training by saying like oh we'll just point out every mistake she makes and she's going to learn from them like that that might that i don't you know it's a judgment call of what's most cost effective but i would make an argument for like don't put the barista through that like these are right. all preventable errors if they had trained her how to make a nitro cold brew coffee which is as simple as put cup under tap turn on tap don't dump ice in it. Like that was the one, you know, one mistake. I mean, uh, you know, there's this question of like, can, can can we try to problem solve all mistakes if we're spreading out the problem solving responsibility? Is that, a, is that something for the barista to be involved in? Or maybe that's more like a management mistake. Yeah. The store manager and a district manager to be involved in. So, you know. So, so let me let me ask on because because within that there's sort of a decision around both both how much energy we put into and how much do we allow trying to prevent mistakes right yeah. mistake proof let's go anticipate where the mistakes are and put a bunch of energy into into that versus allowing mistakes to be a you know the the, the sort of sharp edge of the learning learning curve. Um, I was recently reading a little sort of micro history around some some very famous jazz musicians, and mm. many of them couldn't even read music. They they just they just learned through mistakes, right? They just kept playing and learned what worked and learned what didn't work and experimented their way through it. 
Mm-hmm. And they would continue to to experiment with live shows, right? Because the next night will sound a little different. Yeah. And and those are the musicians that really became top, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. But they also couldn't play classical music. <laughs> right. And the way to learn classical music is this is the right way to play it, and you practice it and get it right. And, yeah. and so there's sort of a contrast there. Like, is the barista learning how to be the best? coffee maker in the world or are they learning to meet the standard of starbucks um yeah and so i'm a little off track on the you know going well, down that tangent but but how do you how do you make that decision between learn our way to success versus anticipate yeah. and prevent mm. i mean so it's a cop-out answer on my part i'll say it seems very situational right so back to the starbucks um example real quick there are probably some mistakes that that trainee could make that might be a real allergy issue mm-hmm. or uh, a customer. Like if somebody is lactose intolerant or has a dairy allergy and they get whole milk instead of oat milk, right? you know, uh, that would have a, a, a higher impact. But like, uh, you know, in, in, in the book, I give a very light introduction to a method, you know, and a lot of your listeners might know. Um, wonky language uh, being what it is, failure modes, effects analysis mm-hmm. of kind of teaching people to if if we have to prioritize and or proactively think through mistakes that could happen, you can use that FMEA methodology to basically think through uh, what's the likelihood of a mistake, what's the severity of that mistake, and what's the detectability of that mistake. And, you know, there's a little bit of subjectivity of assigning numbers to those dimensions. And then you go multiply those three numbers together and then you, you sort the list and that would help you prioritize Mm -hmm. if you've given the right assignment to likelihood, severity, detectability, severity to me, getting the wrong milk, not a problem. Severity to somebody else, really bad. Right. So do you think about worst case severity? that it could kill a customer to an extreme point. Um, I, I think, you know, that might be one tool that helps. What, I mean, what, what do you think about trying no, to do I think, I think you're exactly right. It is it is how severe is the the risk of the mistake. And we, we both know the lean startup world uh, a, a bit. And, and we talk about the minimum viable product, the MVP. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, get something built and put it out there. And that's fine if you're building a way for somebody to find new music they like. But if you're building software that helps banks do transactions, you better mm-hmm. be sure it works securely, right? Or and, if it's equipment that promises to test people's blood with a finger stick. Like like, mm-hmm. like that, yes. So yeah. so I, I think the risk is you know, understanding the situation. Yeah. And that's, I think, the leadership job at hand yeah. is, is understanding that balance and yeah. making good decisions around the balance. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it, in, 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 in the book, I, I cite and mention there's helpful thinking from uh, Amy Edmondson, who's one of the um, the thought leaders, researchers, writers around psychological safety. And, and she lays out this very um, clear framework of like three types of mistakes. And I don't know if this is the exact language, um, but basically like mistakes that are happening within a routine process that really just should not happen. Like we know there's a risk and we know how to prevent it. And we, you know, there's, there's, there's that. And then there's a middle ground of like, well, circumstances were different and here's a mistake we didn't anticipate. And, oh, you know, oh crap, you know, something happened. And then there's a third category, which is more of like, you know, the frontiers of innovation, 
this is like lean startup entrepreneurship space around, we know we're doing something new. And, and then this is a point that I hope comes through clearly in the book, like understanding the difference between what we know, like, I know we could go do this, let's implement that versus I have a hypothesis, I'm making certain assumptions and stating that out loud and going and testing mm -hmm. the assumption. Yep. And, and it turns out that's that's not just innovation thinking, that's also good continuous improvement thinking of not being so stuck on, well, I know, as opposed to saying, let's go test it and see, recognizing we're going to quote unquote, make mistakes, or there will be a gap between what we predicted and what actually happened. Um, so let's recognize that that's possible. Um, let's make it safe to admit. Uh, if you're a startup, hopefully your board or your investors are on you know, the same page with you there. Um, recognizing, look, we, uh, there are certain environments where making a mistake is almost welcomed, where there's certain mm -hmm. situations where we should really focus on making sure a mistake is impossible for someone to make, yeah. which is different than saying, hey, just be careful. Like I, I always cringe at the LinkedIn discussion around, you know, something I'll post on medication errors and people come out of the work, woodwork, sometimes nurses to say, well, they should have just read the label. <laughs> and my my argument to that is like, if 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 that if that line of thinking was effective, it would have already been effective by now. Yes. Yep. I think you're, I think you're right. So, well, we'll wrap up there. Um, I really appreciate you sharing, you know, a little bit about your book, uh, the mistakes that make us sort of a different lens that, that illuminates where problem solving can help learning and where mistakes can help with problem solving. And, and so, uh, you know, great, great sort of a lot of connective tissue between those two topics. So appreciate you sharing. I uh, wish the book all the success and I hope our Thank listeners will, will go out and buy and read a copy. So thanks, Mark, for, for coming on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jamie. I hope people will go and, and read it or uh, later this year, TBD, they can listen to it. I'm going to do an audiobook version um, of it as well. Fantastic. Well, good luck with all that. We'll uh, link to it in the show notes. And uh, until next time, uh, see you all later. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the People Solve Problems podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit jflinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, Keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.